as a good director would, kind of set the parameters for where we could and couldn't go, in a way. Um, and um, in fact, when you know, so 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 when it was just me and him, in fact, you know, the story was a lot more uncommercial than it currently is. Um, it's only when producers come aboard that you know, in this case specifically, um, you know, uh, certain kind of concessions were made. Let's say, um, but you know, sometimes sometimes you you know you would as a screenwriter, I think, you know, because you want to live off it, you want to you know eat, eat off it. You know, it's not just art for art's sake. You would, but I think consider. one has to be careful with this word commercial. You see, I mean, commercial. By that, I assume you're implying, you know, make a profit, go out to the marketplace. Well, you know, nobody can really second guess that. You know, famously, E.T. was turned down by all the major studios. The most successful in terms of investment and return film in, in Britain in the last many years um, was the one about the stripping miners. Oh, yes. right. It was turned down by every everybody in Britain. They all said, oh, we've got our stripping miners project. We don't need this one. Uh, so it's very hard. Um, commercial is with, with, if you're talking about a uh, style of film, with a, something with a minimal narrative that doesn't have big stars in it and it isn't a Hollywood blockbuster, then for that to be commercial, you know, the producer has to know that there's an audience out there for that and know how to market it, basically. So, yeah. Are we all set up, ready to go? <laughs> I think we'll just uh, yeah. launch into it anyway, and, and you can pick up, you know, what 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 there is. So, really, just to begin at the beginning, as all good stories, um, how did this film begin? It's I noticed there's a, there's a co-authorship here that the director is always going to be a co-author, but he came to you with the idea. Yeah, um, I mean, I met Oliver here at the LFS on orientation day, you know, sitting like right there. Um, and then you know we had a cigarette outside, um, which by the way is no for longer screenwriters. Well, for screenwriters out there, it's a good way to meet people. Um, not that I'm recommending it or anything, um, but um, and um, we just kind of you know hit it off and um, you know kind of became friends on day one, I guess. And then when the time came for him to you know kind of come up with a first term, third term, second term, fourth term, you know film. Um, I was either involved as a writer, or as like you know, a script editor, or you know, one thing, one thing or another. Um, so that by the time I had left and you know, graduated, because the screenwriting program was one year, um, he and I had kind of that understanding that you need, with think, with a director if you're going to take something that's extremely personal to him. But, but the point here, just just to make it again, is relationship. Right. I mean, this is a a business about relationships and. Um, you know, cultivating your social skills and finding people who you like and whose work you like and who like you is, is much part of developing as a writer and filmmaker as it is in coming up with great ideas. So, you know, also there's the element of luck. And right? smoking. You know, and and <laughs> smoking. Yeah. That, you know, you can be talented, you can have ideas. And, but, yeah, you know, luck. You, on the first day you met somebody and, you know, people can spend two, five, ten 20 years trying to make a feature, get a feature film credit. You got one within a year of leaving film school. Right. This does not happen every day, ladies and gentlemen. So relationships, and, and you cultivated that and developed it. And so he came to you. What did he come to you with? Was it, well, I've got this idea set in a township because, you know, I come from South Africa. It's about, I mean, what stage was, was the idea he, when it came to you? He came to me and said, hey, um, you know, 
I've been thinking instead of making a graduation project as a short film, I want to make a feature film. And I have backers that could help me do that. Would you be interested in writing it? And I said, yeah, well, sure. Um, and then he said, well, here's something that I've been living with for 10 years um, because Oliver's sister was a medic. Um, and so she had met a woman like Shirley Adams um, and had come home and told Oliver about it. Um, when he was when he was fifteen, and ever since then, um, you know, he's kind of thought, I want to make a film about this woman. Um, so he came to me and said, "Hey, I have this. I have this kind of. It was like a, it was like a picture, you know. Like here's this woman who's raising a son by herself, um, who's you know, um, in the condition that Donovan's in, and um, that was it. Really, it was like a, and and it was like you know, a very kind of angry." It was associated with a lot of anger and a lot of frustration and a lot of what politics. Was, what, was the co- what was the core interest in this idea for Oliver? What did he want his, to say his, with this his, idea? Interest, his interest was literally what's on screen. It's how does this woman cope? Um, and and um, in his kind of original vision, you know, there was an anger to Shirley Adams from beginning to end in a way, you know. And, and, and um, I guess where he kind of asked me to get involved was to kind of find the story in this. In so you immediately, like Charlie Kaufman meeting McKee in adaptation, <laughs> said, yeah, what you need is to build up the thriller element and to, you know, to have the plot about, you know, who killed the son and... Well, no. sort of. But, I mean, because I think if you're, if you're, if you're, actually, if you're actually used to thinking of, of, of the screenplay as, as something that needs to, to work before that, you know, no matter how talented the director is, if you're trained to think that the screenplay needs to work, you know, as a story to begin with, you you immediately kind of see what's missing, um, and, and 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 sometimes it's something that's technical like that. And in this and in this case, in the way Oliver kind of told the story, what was missing for me was hope. Um, in the sense that there was never, in, in, you know, in the sense that if, you know, we talk about how characters change, and you know, like does your character change from beginning to end, or do they learn something, or do they not, and la 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 la. But I mean, technically, what does that you know? What does that really mean when you're talking about a woman who's you know caring, who, you know, whose husband has left her and is you know is desperately poor and is caring for you know this this child who's like suicidal? Like you know, where, what could she possibly learn? You know what I mean? Like how? So so so. Well, what, I guess what she could learn, but maybe this is where where it's arrived at, is she could learn that she could live, she could live after the the death of her son. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. And 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 in but in a way to in a way to. To think to trigger that journey and to make you kind of care for for Shirley Adams more, you know, in the middle of the film you did at the beginning, you need to introduce at least the possibility that her life can improve, that that the situation can improve, which is where Tamsin comes in for me. Um, and was that your idea, the Tamsin character? Tam- Tamsin always Tamsin always existed, kind of like as a witness, but also kind of as a punching bag for the politics of the film. You know, um, is this as the young the, nurse? Yeah. yeah, like you know, she's the oblivious, you know, white, naive, um, you know, naive, entitled kind of girl, um, and 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 and, and, and if, you know, and this is what I say. What, this is what I mean when I say it was a, a photo, you know, and it needed to, uh, you know, the, the the key for me was that this woman needed to kind of, well, within the instinct you have, I guess, is to make you know characters three dimensional anyway, you know, and they just can't be. The stereotype, and that's it, you know. Um, but also that through through this woman, 
you know, and through kind of learning to trust this woman, um, Shirley, Shirley would allow kind of hope into, the, into, the, into her life, into the film, into the audience's kind of mind, so that hopefully, you know, when, I guess, because I guess you could call, you know, Shirley Ames, you know, the film, kind of like a tragic mm -hmm. film, when the kind of inevitable happens, you've been on a journey that's strong enough to have some kind of emotional resonance to you, you know? It also, I mean, when you're talking technically, you know, what, what the young, middle-class, do-gooding, naive, kindly girl does is also offer a real layer of, of light, you know, of, of, of sunshine. You know, the filmmaker picks up on these contrasts because Shirley Adams' life and work is heavy and dark and it's circumscribed by these tiny rooms that she inhabits. And as soon as she bursts out into the sunlight, and when that, that light girl comes in as well, it provides a kind of dynamic that, you know, helps add depth and texture to the scenes and to the story. But, but it's contrast and variety that you're also introducing to the story as well as providing more ammunition for when the big right. change happens. So right. that, that was a really significant contribution. <laughs> so how did you work together? Did, did uh, 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 Oliver give you like a two-page outline in prose and you went away and turned that into five pages? You had several conversations. I mean, how, how did it go? Well, how long did it take? Well, actually, the process was very quick. Um, because it needed to be very quick because it was it all had to kind of be set up within the kind of schedule of the London Film School's kind of graduation film approval schedules, you know. Um, so, um, but Oliver, he Oliver gave me a kind of a treatment, uh, you know, extended treatment. It was you know had a lot of great stuff in it and a lot of stuff that. You How many you pages? Twenty, maybe. Twenty. Um, a treatment for those who don't know is a prose version of the story. Uh, treated filmically, so it's not literary. It's got very. You know, it should be written vividly with action and, and written in the present tense. People doing things. Very dense, dense treatment. Um, Twenty pages, quite yeah, well. yeah. Um, in which you know a lot happened and a lot didn't happen, and you know a lot of stuff that's in the film is there or is there in some other form or is there in some you know. Um, and what he was great at. And you know what I think you know makes Oliver one of the things that makes Oliver a great director because there's a lot of things that make Oliver a great director is knowing where his kind of where he's taken something and where he wants it to go and what to ask for and and to give you really clear kind of guidelines of what he wants um, and and he was so kind of specific in terms of the tone he wanted the way he he, he saw this woman the way he wanted to see this woman the way he wanted us to kind of see this woman, that it made the writing um, very, I, want, I don't want to say easy, but it made it very smooth. Because it's really great if you're collaborating with someone to know that at least if you're lost, they know what they want. Um, even if they don't know how to get from A to B, they know what B looks like, and they're counting on you to take it kind of from A to B. And I think that's one of those, you know, if you, know, if you ask me, in terms of, because I have worked with a few other directors, um, and, and, you know, some of them have that quality and some of them don't. But for me, in terms of what a director could do um, to really help a screenwriter he's working with, is, is that, is be able to really know what B looks like and be able to describe it, you know? What advice would you give to, to writers looking to, to work with directors in the, in the future? What have, what have you learned from your experience of working with a range of different kinds of directors about how to approach the task? Well, Let's, let's say, well, this is a couple of answers to that, but let's say you're already working with someone. The first thing I would say is know when to get out and know when to say no. 
um, because um, there's an unbelievable amount of, of, of directors, just like there are writers, just like there are editors, just like there are like anybody, uh, producers in this business, um, who are delusional about their own skills. Um, and and are, are also kind of tormented by this unbearable passive aggressiveness when it comes to you taking their material. On the one hand, they really need you, but on the other hand, they hate you for that, you know? Um, so and hate themselves for hating And hate themselves. Well, hate they, themselves hate, for, well, they already hate themselves, you know? And you, like, for yeah, making oh, them hate themselves. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, no offense to any directors. You know, um, and, and even, I think, but it takes, I mean, anybody who has something they really care about that's a, you know, a work of whatever that comes from their hearts is going to be really hard to kind of, it's going to have to find a really, have a really hard, hard time kind of letting it go, you know? So then, so I guess, so I guess to answer your question um, in a positive way, um, the, the best thing you can do in terms of collaborating with a, with a, with a, with a director or, or vice versa is hang out with them. Um, you know these kind of even if like, that means going to bars and that's strip exactly clubs what it means yeah strip clubs bars yeah. you know whatever yeah. whatever um because if you're not into strip clubs and they are pathologically into strip clubs you know um you know that then that means something about who you both are and your collaborate and and how your collaboration would work it might it might really work it might be like you know you're both completely opposite and therefore you come to you know you can find a way to kind of bring things to like a some kind of you know combination fusion that really kind of works but it could be that you know in you know you learn a lot of you know i think you learn a lot from people when you drink with them um because you know uh you know in their eighth kind of tequila on their on their eighth tequila you see how they will be when they've been working for you can eight you days can drink without eight tequilas sleep. and still still no, talk you, no you kind of just you know yeah, you kind okay. of sip and you know so because you, you want to know what these guys are like back you know? to the script at, at what point um you know, the ending, it seemed like, you know, that there was an easy ending that would not have been nearly as satisfying with the death of the son. And, or, you know, we've established the, you know, he's a fish and he, oh, he really is a fish and he drowns and now we go to the sea. Um, at what point did you arrive at the, at the three or four beats that, before she gets to the sea? Um, you know, where she decides to pull herself together and go back to the doctors and then Finally, she just can't do that, and then the news about you know, and so on and so. I mean, how did you arrive at the resolution? Um, to be to be entirely honest, um, the original kind of uh, screenplay, like the first draft and a half, you know, <laughs> finished very quickly after the, the 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 death of Donovan. And in fact, the arc of Shirley's story was realizing that the best way to kind of help her son was to let him go. Um, and the scene, um, I don't know how it would play it for better or for worse, you know, but the scene, you know, when she's hanging up the laundry now and kind of then just runs up, kind of the, our original kind of intention for that was that it was to kind of play it. Like, does she know what's going to happen and does she not know what's going on, you know, and kind of... Um, and then... You know, when I was speaking about you know, concessions and things, you know, this is this is one of the things that kind of changed that we had to kind of really kind of maybe maybe that was probably actually thinking about it in hindsight was probably the easiest way, you know, um, because it's like okay, well, you know, Donovan said let's not deal with it, let's just like you know, you know, let's have like the 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 the, the actual kind of huge change to the character happen before, you know, rather than after, 
Um, but then we played a lot. We, we were kind of encouraged to and then kind of just played a lot with, okay, um, what if Shirley's story isn't bound by this? You know, uh, what if it isn't, you know, this isn't the end of this, of this story we're telling. Um, and that's the, I think that's the moment that it became, kind of the film became really a, the portrait of a mother. In a way, you and know, it, and it really made made it something special because if it had stopped at that point, it would have been okay. But it, but this is what lifts it. You know, it, it also tests our patience as an audience to stay, right. to stay with her. We thought, okay, come on, he's dead. Now she can go to the sea, and, and you know, but but no, she can't, of course, because there are so many things to work through. And you know, the mourning process takes time, and to cut from the death of the son to the <laughs> sea would have been throwing it away. So yeah. were there people outside, was there a meta-narrative here? Were there people outside you and the director giving you notes as well? You were going to script meetings within the school? We, yeah, because all of a sudden, you know, um, there was a lot of people involved, which was a very fast learning curve for both of us. Um, there was, you know, um, the executive, the executive yeah. producer, um, the school, and, and, the, and the local production company, all of whom you know, we're giving really great notes um, and and all of them kind of very constructive, but not necessarily the, the same, same notes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so how did you know, did you, Oliver knew you were bonded by this time? So you just went off and had some more tequilas and talked about all the different... Uh, well, at this, I mean, well, at this point, it became kind of frantic because he was already in South Africa and the film was rolling into pre-production as well. Um, so we were literally kind of writing drafts on a daily basis almost, you know, and, and essentially it was just the last, the latter half of the film that kept, you know, kind of been changed. There was like, there was all these scenes um, about her kind of trying to go and find the father and tell him that, um, because very quickly at some point, we, you know, we realized that the idea of, the, for this, for this film to have a third act, the point of that third act would be letting go of a lot of things and, and essentially of, of her anger and of her, you know, and, and kind of, for, if, she, if she could forgive, you know, her, her, you know, filled up. It's not just about and, letting and go, it's about forgiveness. And exactly. that's, that's what's so moving, actually. When, when people who, who have been so badly done by life and by others are still able to rise above that pain. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and say, but the, okay. and the funny thing is, though, that, you know, the Philistine was buried. Was it, it was always there, but it was buried in a whole lot of other plot at some point. That because... In the last week of production, last week of pre-production, we discovered we couldn't have those locations. All of that got kind of cut, you know. And I feel that actually, in hindsight, you know, she, she was, you know, she could go find the father, going to go to all this, this whole other epic trek. And and I feel like in hindsight, that that scene being kind of the only kind of real plot scene, in a way, you know, in the middle of a lot of kind of silent mourning and. And, and so reacting would, would one way makes of, it stronger. No, it describing the development that you uh, that, that at some stage you, you had something much longer as well that was more plotted and was more expositional and had much more dialogue in it and was much more melodramatic and soapy and, and, and that was pared down or, or was there always a restraint about the writing? There was always, you know, this is what I mean about you know, Oliver being, you know, this no, is what they I won't want. have that. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, want, and I can do that with a look. I can do yeah. that with a touch. Yeah, which is, I mean, this is what I think, but this is why I think we hit it they off. You just said you want another biscuit. That's right. And, and it's all happening between them. Absolutely. in the air, we know that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why we hit it off from the beginning, because we both kind of enjoyed that. You know, we both kind of enjoyed um, uh, the ability to 
do a lot with very little. But you know, as a screenwriter, you when you don't know if you're writing a script by yourself, you know, and someone else is going to take it and direct it, you don't have that confidence that you know the person you're going to give it to to direct is going to understand the nuance that you have. With like you know, so you she have moves to overwrite elbow. it a bit for yeah, you know, like you when you say you know when you write for Oliver, she moves her elbow across the table. You know, all that in an Oliver Hermanus film that can mean a lot. You know, if you give it to, I don't know. Um, you know, some other another director just doesn't have that kind What's of going on here? style. You know, it would just it would be you know it would be missed or oversold as well. Okay, you know, so like, that's, that's important. I mean, it is quite different if you're just writing a spec script because you know the audience. You don't know who the audience is going to be. It might be some semi-literate producer. You know, who's just looking for the next thing. Or, but so you 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 know often you write different drafts for different people, right? But but you had this very particular. So you could do from the beginning something quite tight and personal. Right. How many drafts? Um, technically, you know, from page, page one to page, you know, 65, I think, which is the last page of the script, it's that kind of sparse. Very, very short. Um, we did three real drafts. We rewrote um, the ending about 10 times, you know, the last kind of 20 pages. Like, yeah, so these are, these are different know. drafts. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You made three big structural. But yeah, yeah. The, you know, I mean, you know, mm. what, 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 I guess in real world terms, what you would get kind of maybe, maybe get paid for if you're lucky would be the three drafts, you know? Yeah, yeah. The other 10 would just count. It's like, oh, like, you know, it's just a little bit of, you know, yeah, just, yeah, we just yeah. need a little bit of looking at this and looking at that, you know? Um, but even though it is kind of like a lot still, of work. I mean, pretty fat. I mean, it wasn't, you know, 20 or 30 drafts and, you know, you were. Yeah. The amazing luck, as you mentioned, luck, and that's the thing, you know, I think it's, I don't think it'll ever happen again that, you know, you write one draft of a script and it's financed. That's that. That was the shocking <laughs> thing about Trilling Animals. Yeah, you've you've had other experiences since, which, if we've got time, we can maybe come back to. But in the meantime, uh, questions from from the audience for for Stavros, uh, lady here. I wasn't involved, you know, in the sense that no one asked me because you know no one asks writers anything after they're they're oh, done. But I know that. Um, Especially in Denise's case, you know the the, the, the lady that plays Shirley Adams, she um, she did she used she basically did a lot of television before this, and and the process by which kind of Oliver kind of broke her down, um, was excruciating for both of them to the point where you know the first time I saw this film was the first time she was seeing this film, um, and it was in Locarno and she was sitting next to me. And, and I, never, I mean, I didn't actually manage to see the film because I just kept watching her reactions to scenes and like she was still kind of, you know, just overwhelmed. And, 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 and when we left, she was, you know, what she was talking about was like the, the actual memory of working up to those things, up to those feelings with Oliver and, and kind of what a journey it was for her to trust that if she doesn't, you know, go, you know, you know, kind of. By really saying television, you mean that she's been much more used to just being very, soaps. very clear about her emotion and, and expressing it very directly and, and, and immediately from moment to moment. Whereas yeah. in this film, she was told to button it down. It would translate, trust me. But she'd never done that before. She, you know. Yeah, and, and she was forced to really kind of be as haggard as, by the time the rehearsals were over, she was really as tired and as haggard and as, <laughs> as she desperate needed to be. as the character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could you talk about the technicality of uh, 
writing the script with two people, would you write a draft and then show it to the director and he would give you notes or would he write uh, the second draft, especially when you talk about this changes in the end? Um, well, in the, in the, in the, between the first and second draft, um, we, I, would, I would write and then, and, and this is, I mean, we were such noobs, I guess, and so kind of new to it that we didn't even like bother to, to look up, you know, track changes on the final draft. And what we would do is, you know, but, 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 but what we do with Oliver, which is not what I do with other people, um, is that I would write and then he would kind of come back with a page of thoughts um, and then I would kind of do it again and then he would come back with fine-tuning things in block kind of you know um, you know block capitals where the all the changes were on the script so I could find them because like I said we didn't have we didn't even think about changes and then I would change that into like you know red and do the, you know and send it back to him you know and 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 it was a very kind of fast process um, and and I think because there was you know because there was trust there wasn't this like kind of well, you know, it was like, no, I hate this, I like this, I hate, which I think is very, this, this is what I meant before about, you know, if you actually drink with someone, if you actually hang out with someone, and you're friends first, then th you can have the strength to actually say, I hate this, and actually take it as well, you know, and understand that they still love you, they still think you're talented, you know, um, they just hate this, you know, and figure, out, figure it out, you know, it's not about you. Um, Does it still stop the self-loathing? Um, actually, I... There's nothing like actually working with someone to make you feel good about yourself when it works, you know. Um, I think because you you're suddenly not in that pod, and 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 you and especially, especially I think, you know, coming out of film school, you feel like the whole world's kind of against you, you know. Um, the, you know, uh, it's it's wonderful to just have that, you know, like someone else. Even if even if at the end of the process they hate you, at least they both they they actually. There's another person in the world who cares as much as you do about what you've created. You know, you're not alone. Sir, you have a question. Did you not raise your hand earlier? No. Sorry. Um, any other questions for Stavros, uh, gentleman here? Yes. Uh, I just find that what, what made you decide um, in the, the very beginning, the the, the, the the first sequence of it, of of, of the character. On, on the pressure or, or not really telling us exactly what was going on in, in the very first few minutes of it. And then all of a sudden it went, was that deliberate that it just went, and then someone was then telling us exactly what happened afterwards. Was that a deliberate ploy or, well, or in, in terms of like, later on we had the alienation between characters and the kind of scene character. Was that also deliberate in terms of the microcosm of what's happening in the township of South Africa, or was that just part of this plot? I'm sorry. So let me, let me answer the first part of the question, and then I'll ask you again what you mean about the second part. Um, the, in the first, the first scene was always intended to really kind of just bring you into this woman's microcosm um, with a bang. Um, and I, I have to admit that my interest in telling this film um, was entirely about the microcosm um, because I feel, you know, that, you know, people will often say, I kind of write what you know, you know, um, and as, far, as a screenwriter, it would be disingenuous for me to assume any kind of real visceral knowledge that's enough to kind of justify a screenplay of this world. 
But what I could kind of give to the to the story is 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 a true kind of relationship between the main characters in the microcosm, because you know, I have a mom, um, and I've had some experiences, and she's had some experiences that I can relate to and draw from. I know other people who've had like you know other kind of wonderful, complicated mothers or wonderful, complicated kids um, to draw from, you know, and that's and that's kind of my in to the story. And I think that Oliver as well um, wanted this film to be first a story of a mother. Um, and, and of course, it's inevitable and, and probably right that, that the, the, the larger world will kind of come into the film, um, of course, because it informs it informs so much. But I think the success of the film, as much as, you know, in, in as much as like, you know, I, I can say I'm proud of it, is that if it was, you know, in any other kind of language, it could have been in any other country, you know, um, and and that's 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 I think what we were going for. Um, I hope I'm answering your question in, in a way. Um, and then and then in terms of in terms of sorry, and in terms of like actual exposition, to go back to your first kind of question, it's interesting because that scene uh, with the doctor, um, which follows that kind of you know, really kind of fast kind of first scene it was actually a much was actually much later in the script um, and I think you know when you're when you're kind of under pressure and you're and you're in the editing room and you're thinking you know are people understanding what exactly is going on here sometimes you make a decision to kind of I don't want to say play it safe but like really kind of just be like make sure that everyone's on the same page as you so that they know at least what's going on in this in this household but in fact that that scene was Halfway through the film, that first hospital scene. Um, so I hope that answers your, your question. Yeah. So the principle was always, and you know, this has not been made up at this point. There, there are filmmakers and storytellers who, who, who work in this way. And I'm thinking of the Darden brothers, for example, particularly. You know, with with the big close-ups and the mobile camera and the bang into following somebody around and you don't know who they are, where they are, why they are, but you're kind of hooked because they are insistent, they're willful, they're <clears throat> driven. Where are they going? And then we find out is the style, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and what you said, and so there were times because the film is so restrained and so determined to make you work hard to go figure because this is really, we're following people around and figuring out what's going on. The, there are one or two moments where you really feel, woo, that's a bit of exposition, you know, uh, that you're explaining this, you know, in order to keep us on board. That, that slightly disturbs the, Absolutely. You know, the overall style. And I think that's part of, I guess, that, that also comes from a lack of confidence in a way, you know, like you're, you're you know, you're kind of learning in public in a way uh, with, with Shirley at least I think both of us did, you know. Um, it's funny because there are moments when I, you know, when I, when I watch it, there's moments when I'm like, eh, you know, um, yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I'm like, why is that line in there? You know, why did that slip through the net? You know, um, but it's, it is, it is, a, it is a learning, a learning process. And uh, I think we were just lucky enough to have that learning experience in public and get and survive. You know what I mean? People still want to work with us, which is. Nevin. Congratulations! From, the, from this, for me, was this completely 
mind-blowing experience. So you have another fan, you know, which is Thanks. me. And, uh, so so, so for, uh, I would just like to ask you, uh, in terms of, for example, some future project, if you decide to write another script that is like realism and stuff, you know, would you, uh, you know, consider, would you have like conscious decision, you know, I don't know who, who is going to read this script, so I'm going to write a little bit more about inner world of this character or something, or, or you would just, uh, you know, stick with the bare descriptions and stuff, because I'm sure that you know that you can bump into people who will say, you know, we don't like this in script and stuff, and you would probably say, yeah, I know that you don't like that. Well, to be honest, um, I think I would, no matter what I did and what I do, I would stick to the sparseness. Um, and um, I'm not saying that because, like, you know, I've decided that that's the way to go or anything, but I've seen enough, I guess, up to now reactions from people in the industry um, who have read, you know, from agents to producers, development people who, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who have read this script. It's the first draft of the script, which is like the sparsest of them all, really, um, who think it's wonderful. You know, who actually say, you know, say things like, it's refreshing, it's so refreshing, you don't explain anything, it's so like this and that and the other. Because I think, I think that if, and I think my, my theory for that is, I mean, obviously, I think if they actually took it into production, by the time they took it into production, you, they would have, like, everything they loved about it would have kind of been inundated by a lot of, you know, kind of exposition for the audience. But the fact of the matter is that they read so many things that are just blocks and blocks of, of you know every day on their desk of like of like description 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 and then dialogue 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 like that you know they're so kind of refreshed to see something that actually makes them think um, and to fill in the gaps and it might you know might might make them think too much it might be bad writing in a way you know, it might be like under like totally underwritten but at least I think I think you know just like just like I guess film goers of the 60s loved the French New Wave because suddenly someone was making them think you know, it's the same thing. It's like development executives and agents and people just who are inundated every day with three act, like, you know, everything's like kind of screaming. You know, the, you know, the inciting incident screams at you. The midpoint screams at you. You know, I am the midpoint. Uh, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just discovered. But it should be in there. You know, it should be in there, but it doesn't have to just, you know. Uh, they, they love that. And, and, and they feel good about the fact that they're reading it and thinking about it. And, and, and I think that's what they respond to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that I would definitely ha have from that point on and will, if, if, if anything, my writing is going sparser, no matter what the genre. It doesn't have to be social realism. It can be action. It can be any, anything. It could be comedy. It's, it's less is more. Thank you. Um, Hi. Um, could you talk a little bit about your experiences and assignments and stuff post LFS? Because all those screenwriters were on our last term, and I can't speak for everyone, but I probably can because I think we're all freaking out about what happens next. I know I am. Um, so, any advice you have or information to share? Wow. Yeah. How long do you have? Um, <laughs> Could we? I mean, this is going to be part part of it, and I was going to kind of break it down. Um, so, could we maybe begin? You can come back if it doesn't answer your question. Um, so this was a great launching pad uh, for you as a writer moving out into the... But it, it still is not you know, a solution. How, how did you proceed? What steps did you take? And what's happened to you since as an overview? And then we can maybe telescope yeah. down on specific things. Um, okay. First of all, just bef before I left the office, right? Um, um, besides Oliver, I had kind of 
a really good couple of collaborations in place with other filmmakers as well, who I also met on the first day and then just kind of, you know, went. Has to be said, Stavros was, um, you know, at one extreme of of social uh, engagement and energy. He's got a fantastic uh, kind of, you know, love of, of, of engaging with other people. And he just put himself around and he met people and his energy and his enthusiasm just translates. Also has to be said that he's very good, uh, and we can maybe pick up on this uh, as well, at pitching, this pitching thing of presenting ideas in public. Quite handy as well if you're building relationships, meeting people just shortly and quickly, networking and so on. Another skill that you've got in your, skill, in your toolkit, which really helps you know, yeah. develop relationships and projects, which you need a lot of in order for one or two of them to take off. So. So you had these other relationships. So, 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 so I'll start with the most important thing, which is other relationships. Because you will, like, like the moment you're, like, like you're out of the LFS and you're feeling alone, like just combating that is, is, is enough of a problem, you know? And, 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 and in fact, I wrote, you know, when, I wrote, when I was writing Shirley, I was in that state where like I had you know, just left. It was like, what the hell am I doing next? You know, where am I? You know, looking for like, you know, any kind of work, just trying to kind of survive. And it was those three weeks of total, like, 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 you know, just feeling completely lost. Actually, kind of, I guess they helped, you know, writing this. But um, but um, but but anyway. So so one thing is is, is actually kind of going out there and, and finding collaborators. And, and 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 if you have them from here, great. If you don't, there's so many people out there looking for collaborators. Um, for, you know, from shooting people. Um, you know, who I, I think is is a, is a priceless kind of. Subscription. I don't know. It's like thirty pounds or something now. Uh, but you, you do. I mean, there's you know, for every a hundred people looking for you know who say I am a almost award winning director who has an almost producer, um, you know, and I'm looking for a person to write a feature script for no money. But you know, you have to have like made at least one feature film. But I haven't, you know, and you still don't get paid. For every hundred guys who do that on shooting people, there's like five who are really worth it. You know, and, and this is what I said before about knowing when to stop, knowing when to just kind of go, all right, not for me, because a lot of people will waste your time, I think. And, and, and um, but, you know, that these, there's great places like that to find people to work with. Um, and, 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 and even if, you know, you've got five things on the go at any time, uh, this is the other thing. Number two, have as many things on the go as, as, as possible, as you possibly can, um, because, you know, in, inevitably every day you'll get bad news about four. You know, um, that it's the one that you get the good news about that like makes all the other four worth it. You know, uh, if you put all your eggs in one basket, especially like you know, the one mistake we all made when we left. One of the biggest mistakes we all made was put all our eggs into the our graduation gra- graduating script basket. You know, but our graduating what we don't realize is that our graduating script is the greatest tool to learn to mess up. You know, like like that's that's what that, that that's what that's for really. It's to just mess. Shh, I'm oh, okay. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you'll, you you will. You will. Uh, you know, it's 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 to mess up. Um, and then maybe like maybe and then by the time you get out, maybe it's like you're so confused about it and you hate it and you're like just don't know what you know what to do with it. You just leave it for like a year, and stop trying to send it to agents. You know, because if you hate it, what will an agent think of it? You know, like just don't send it. Um, but um. So, 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 kind of like just be as open as you can to these, to these, to these things. Number two, I think, or three, I've lost for count of where I am, is there's so many competitions out there um, for shorts, uh, for features, for pitches, for you know, there's, there's, there's you know, a hundred organizations right now that 
I want ideas. Um, and a lot of them, because 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 of the way the industry is kind of, the industry itself is kind of turning into this desperately poor kind of entity, and not only just in terms of money, but in terms of ideas, um, because there's no money to actually pay people for development. You know what I mean? Like so 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 they turn to these competitions as well. So suddenly these competitions have actually turned into, you know, people who are like would have like you know they would say we have an industry panel. You know, to judge it, and it would be like some guy who interned at like you know uh, Focus five years ago and is now working at a gas station. You know, but like, but that that, that that that's five years ago. Now it's actually people who are like working in development. You know, in ITV, BBC, CBBS, whatever, depending on what the competition is, because they're actually there to look for something, to look for a writer who actually will have a great idea, and it's their first kind of commission. If they get the commission, and they can get it for five thousand pounds. You know, like, but and 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 and. So, so these things are really so competitions. What, what's for? Um, I, I, this is this is this is going to sound really weird, um, but you know, there's a hundred screenwriting books out there, um, and uh, I don't know how many of you read this, but when I I read this when I left, and I kind of don't really like screenwriting books as a, as a general rule. I prefer to kind of watch movies and read scripts, but. Um, there's one screenwriting book that now has three editions, um, and it's given me hope from the first moment I read it, because it kind of because the guy who writes it is the only guy who writes screenwriting books who actually treats screenwriting like it's fun, not some like massive algorithm of you know. Oh come on, Ellis Ellis Freeman treats it like it's fun. Writers Jim, come on, don't you remember? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so imagine imagine if you know if I imagine if Ellis Freeman was from LA and had like you know a really nice tan and you know and and, and, and tell. you know um, he 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 would be Blake Schneider. Um, and I don't know how many of you have read Save the Cat. But you, you don't want to be it? Blake Schneider. Blake Schneider's dead. Blake Schneider is dead, but he left yeah. a beautiful corpse and a lot of money and a lot of <laughs> actual script sales, which is, which can't be said for most people who actually write screenwriting books. Um, and he's got, he's got three. He's got Save the Cat, Save the Cat, goes to the movies, and Save the Cat Strikes Back, which is his latest one, which is all about dealing with notes. And again... I really recommend it. You don't have to follow everything he says. You know, no one should follow what anyone says. But it's his attitude to screenwriting and his attitude to kind of, it, I find, and, and, and a lot of his advice is just so uplifting and it will really help with pitching, which, is, which will help you get collaborators going to competitions to this and that and the other. What happened um, to, didn't, didn't you, sorry, have you got point 0.5? Yeah, I've got point 0.5. Okay. Um, <laughs> point 0.5, point 0.5 is there is no job in the industry that is that is that you are too good for, um, and there's and there's and there's tons of them, um, and and when I say tons of them, literally there's like from you know the photocopying person to you know the whatever the driver the chauffeur like if the company's big enough you know but the fact is um, a lot of people take those jobs and think all they have to do is sit there. And, and they'll get um you know they'll get noticed and this and that and the other so if you actually do hustle enough to get those jobs which all you have to do I mean honestly people say like how the hell do I get a job like you know interning at this and that and the other and all the people I know who've interned and then became kind of development people were actually the guys who went who went there they just they just showed up at the doorstep and went I'm so and so do you have anything I can do I just want to learn you know I don't want to show you how great I am I don't want to like you know like I just just kind of want to learn. Um, and you know, if you send a CV, if you send an email, it'll be it'll be read by someone who already has the job that you want, um, that 
they don't want to lose, um, and they're just not going to, you know, bother. Just show up. Um, and then, sorry, one one more thing. In all of, in all of these fields, you will have an opportunity. You'll you will have opportunities to meet real industry people, um, from like you know from the screenwriting showcase to the I don't know anything competitions, cocktails, industry drinks. No matter. Oh, this. Sorry, I'm like this is just that's why I said how much time do you have because it's like way more other stuff. But like we're gonna have drinks things. after so that people can yeah, but imp- very important thing stuff like you know the Berlin, the Berlinale Talent Campus. You know they have a screenwriting um, they have a thing called Script Station, which is just for 16 screenwriters where you actually really meet you know like the mentors you meet are like people who know everybody, and then they'll get they'll put you in any other kind of screenwriting kind of development program you want to go. But and, 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 and these are the things you have to kind of really keep an eye out. For, I, my advice, you know, people will say you have to read Variety, you have to read Screen, Screen International and all this stuff. I would say that's great at some point, but at this point, don't worry about it. Worry about where the opportunities are for you, not like who's commissioned what and who isn't commissioning what and you know, this and that and the other because no one is going to buy your first great script. They're going to say, wow, what a great script. Let, you know, what else can you do? You know? and, and it'll get you into like great places where you can actually kind of just do the next thing, you know, and do the next thing right, I guess. Um, and you did do a next thing, did you not? You did go in one of these development programs, like the Binger, and that's where you've most recently been. Right. Um, Briefly, how did you get in there and, what, and what's happened and what's to look forward to? And then we can break for drinks and people who want to... Right. The, the Binger Film Lab is heaven for screenwriters. Um, it's five months in Amsterdam, um, for one thing, they actually pay you to be there uh, for another. Um, not a lot, but you know it, it does cover quite a lot of expenses. Um, I'm just, gonna, I'm sorry. Before I get to the actual career thing, I'm just going to say this. Do you remember really before you went me. to heaven, you had a conversation with Sandy Lewis and, and, and me, and yep. they said, oh, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I should go to Binger. Yeah. And, you know. yeah. Okay. Um, they have, they have, they have two floors, right? And and on the first floor is is the endless coffee machine that makes cappuccinos, espressos, and you know americanos stuff that like they're the best you ever tasted, that runs all day. And then they have a smeg fridge that's full of grolsch that just kind of replenishes itself magically every day, and three wine fridges with wine at different temperatures that are open from five five p.m. Okay, because the whole point of this is like inter, inter, integration, collaboration, meeting people, meeting people, meeting people, meet. It's like one big networking kind of thing that goes on, network camp, that goes on for five months. Um, and, but essentially what Binger is, is a, is a development lab that's essentially funded by the, the Dutch Film Council in collaboration with Sundance Film Lab, Cancer Foundation, Berlin Alley. Um, and what they do is they take about 20 writers and five creative producers every year um, with a, who already have a project at some, state of develop, some stage of development. Um, and it's very competitive, isn't it? It's it's it is it is it, it is quite competitive. It's all about meeting them. Again, I I met them. I didn't even know what Binger was, and I met the guy who's the artistic director of Binger at Berlinale, you know, which is a much easier place to get to. You know, the film the, the, the film the film the town campus in Berlin, much easier than 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 Binger. But like you you know, met him there, met the person who's a kind of like their industry liaison, found out about all the great things about how to apply, etc. 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 So when I went there and went to the interview, I already knew people, you know, like it wasn't like, and, and it was, and, and it was funny how that, how, how that kind of worked. And, and, and um, but anyway, they're, they're, so they bring like all these great people to kind of develop your project with you. 
Um, you know, depending on the kind of project it is, they'll bring people from LA, they'll bring people who like run the Cinemart in, in the Rotterdam Film Festival, or like, you know, uh, people who like, just generally who work in all kind of different parts of the industry that specialize in different things, really artistic films, really commercial films, et cetera, et cetera. And their whole point is to get you, by the time, by December, uh, by the time February kind of rolls around and, and, the, and, and the festivals kind of, European, big European festivals start happening, is to get you to have all the right appointments and all the right meetings at all these festivals to get your film financed, essentially. Um, so Was this a project you were attached to as a director? Because you yeah. had a background as a director before you came on the course, didn't you? Right. So that's you know, something that everyone has. But Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's people there who are just writers. Um, I, I, went, I went there specifically because my film, the film I wanted to, to do at Bayern was a Cypriot film, because I'm from Cyprus, and you know, the only way to kind of get a Cypriot film off the ground is if the rest of the world loves it first. You know, it's like one of those places. So um, that's, so I had to kind of find an international forum to really kind of embrace the film so that I could get the, the fund, like, you know, like at least the, 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 you know, the Cyprus behind me as kind of a financing body. But uh, yeah, for the, the writers there, um, they, they were from, you know, from Bolivia to like, you know, to, to London, to Listen, whatever. But may, maybe we can uh, persuade you to come in and, and have a more intimate discussion with the, the screenwriters on, on the program sometime in the next couple of months. Because I'm aware there's, you know, there's a more general audience here in this time. Um, sure. are, there, are there any final questions? Sorry, no. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Worth yeah, definitely. Google it, Binger, Binger Labs, but we can talk more about that. Um, thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much, Stavros and Ballas. Right. Drinks afterwards, if you like. Is it? Thank you. Where's the camera, man? Hold that. Hold that <laughs> yeah, right.